And a happy, happy Thanksgiving out there to the listeners of Kevin's Corner. We are back. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley, uh, the Colt. When your NFL team is in the hunt and it's Thanksgiving, it is a good time to be a fan of that team. Yes, it is. Very good time. Colts are in that situation right now. A huge one on Sunday. Um, Massive, 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 Chris. It is, uh, yeah, look at all the numbers, man. You win, and it's a 80-something percent chance to win the division. You lose, and it's a 15-some percent chance to win the division. It's just crazy how much is at stake, but that's kind of what happens when two teams separate themselves from the other two. So much in this division, um, a Thanksgiving treat to our listeners will be a lot of Twitter questions today. So um, we're going to focus on that. And, um, yeah, you got any Thanksgiving dish, any any, uh, go-to – um, item on the menu? The go-to item for me would be either stuffing mm-hmm. or deviled eggs. Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I my, my palate is about as, you know, dry as the Chicago Bears offense, so I won't <laughs> act like I, I'm sitting here, you know, throwing back deviled eggs and 10 other items, but stuffing I can get behind. Yeah. Uh, at, as well. And uh, and my brother makes a mean derby pie, which um uh, which I'm looking forward to consume copious amounts of. I am selfishly, purely selfish. I'm pissed the Steelers Ravens game is canceled. Yeah, I mean, sh- come on now. Um, that's that was going to be the only game to really watch. You know? Right, right. I remember the Colts on. Um, ironically enough, and I guess we'll just start with this. Last time the Colts were on Thanksgiving, their quarterback was hurt. Yep. And here we are talking about a quarterback injury. Uh, nowhere near the severity I think of an Andrew Luck concussion. Back in uh, 2016, I want to say, Scott Tolzien getting the start mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving night against the Steelers. But uh, Phillip Rivers did not practice today. We're recording this Wednesday. The injury report hasn't officially come out. I expect it to be very long. Uh, Frank Reich mentioned that. So um, we'll have to monitor that the rest of the week with Rivers. You know, the toe injury, which he did, blocking Zadarius Smith, probably not the smartest decision for Phillip. I did appreciate his candor in saying, um, it's a there's a little bit something left in there from the Baltimore tackle debacle was how he phrased it. So yeah. <laughs> it's good to see Phil Rivers can laugh at himself for that play. But uh, yeah, right big toe I believe, and I I fully expect him to play. Like fully expect him to play. I mean just hell shoot the damn thing up as you know graphic yep. as that might sound. But um, I am curious, Chris. This is a guy that uh, we have. Some he is not the uh, strongest arm thrower of the football in the NFL, if that's a thing. So, what little ailment to his body? What does that do fundamentally? What does that do arm strength, velocity wise? Just curious. Yeah. You know, in the right foot, you know, he's planting on that right foot and pushing off that right foot, and we've seen some back foot throws this season not end well. So, um, yeah, I guess. I thought something to watch. I thought it was funny talking about uh, that you tweeted while he was talking and he says it's already weird enough I don't think I can tweak it anymore in terms of his his throwing style yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was another Rivers is um he's funny have you um have you watched like the videos press conferences with him some of them yeah he's so stoic mm-hmm. throughout questions and like hardly ever laughs or you know gets mad i mean it's incredible how stoic he is because then you watch him play the game and oh my gosh he wears his emotions on the sleeve which right. 
you just love, but he, it's been interesting getting to know him in a very, very virtual world. But yeah, that's where we're at. I guess um, for people that want Jacob Eason to get more practice reps, here you go. Yep. <laughs> Jacob Eason running the scout team today. Uh, no practice for the Colts on Thanksgiving, which is interesting. I feel like the Colts have usually practiced on Thanksgiving, but uh, sounds like family members are getting tested and whatnot. I mean, if you're going to hang out with your family members, they're going to kind of go to the yep. nth degree here. So, yeah, just wanted to make sure we hit the Rivers um, front. Sounds like good news on Braden Smith and Anthony Walker. I know some people have some questions on that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, wanted to make sure we hit on that before uh, Twitter question time. Yeah, like you said, it's going to be interesting seeing that list because Frank said it's going to be long. So don't be alarmed, people. Just Whenever the head coach says it's going to be long, that means it's going to be really freaking long. Yeah. I saw the Chiefs today had every person on their roster practice. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Andy Reid getting them ready. Don't tell that to Colts fans. All right. Twitter questions? Yes. Like you said, we got a lot of them. Again, thank you, everyone, for continuing to submit a lot of international ones this week. So looking forward to jumping in. We will start with Metal Militia 11. Kevin, this is a listener from out in Do LA. Do it again. Metal Militia 11. I've had 3,700 spam calls today. Like, what? Can we just block them all? I don't get them anymore. I don't know why. I, I I'm lucky. I wasn't getting them for a while. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. says, I hate to bring it up again after so many questions on Monday in regards to the officiating, but I feel like the complaints many people had were misplaced. The issue should be the consistency of officiating for other teams. For the holding calls, the refs flagged the Colts for. There were equally as many. They could have flagged the Packers, but they didn't. Just look at the Rodgers bomb that set up the tying field goal and you will see three egregious holds that weren't called. Don't we have the right to be outraged by lopsided calls? Um, Boy, gosh, I'm really glad you put this one at the top of the list, Chris. Really getting me in the mood for, <laughs> for, for these sort of questions. Um, consistency is certainly the biggest gripe that people should have with officiating, period. You know, call it on one end, call it on the other, you know. Um, that's what you always hear in a basketball sense. And obviously the Bar Bakhtiari, I think, had the big hold on Al-Qadid Muhammad on the play in the end zone that a lot of people are up in arms about. We, we talked about Bakhtiari's you know, false start, Tariq Glenn-esque, mm -hmm. on Sunday as well. Yeah, man, um, consistency frustrates you. I, I, I don't agree with the Packers had as equally amount of holding penalties as the Colts. I'm not going to go there. I went back and watched every single holding call the Colts had and watched him again, and watched him for a third time. Really, the Glowinski one, and there might have been two on the final drive from him, which just goes to show you how many holds the Colts had, that might have been questionable. Everyone else, a blatant, honestly, a blatant hold. And the Colts now the second most holding penalties in the league. Uh, Frank Reich mentioned today, it's a bit of a fundamental aspect that we have to improve on of the footwork is failing, and when the footwork breaks down, you get – clingy and and you're kind of hoping and grabbing a little bit cuz guys are you know straining and pulling away from you and whatnot. So, yes, officiating consistency is what you want, but um the the, the Colts fundamentally as an offensive line have to get better. Yeah. And that includes the tight ends and wideouts as well. Right. Cuz they they've been involved with some of this too. This one's from Louisiana guy, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and hope everyone is staying safe. Same to you and and, and genuine Thank, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Yes. That was not just a uh, let's start the podcast off with a happy Thanksgiving. Um, you guys mean a ton to us. We are very grateful that you tune in on such a consistent basis. Send in questions, all of it. Um, I think I speak for both Chris and I and how much that means to us. So safe travels. 
And um, if you aren't able to spend time with your family, hopefully you can do it virtually. And uh, we love you guys. Yeah, well said. Quick question. With the toe injury to Phillip Rivers, how much do you think this will affect him or if he has to miss a little bit of time? If this happens, God forbid, do you think Jacob Eason will start to be active and start until Phillip is healed from the injury, or do the Colts fans have to suffer from Frank Reich's decision to start Jacoby, throw the ball short, and never long Brissett? Oh, God. Also, what do you think we will do in the first round of the draft? I'm hoping for a quarterback, but who knows at this point, even though I think we should have gotten our guy this year. Boy, that's a lot to unpack there. Okay, Rivers is going to start on Sunday. You know, the guy started 234 straight games. Mm-hmm. Did you know this, Chris? He started 234. And and I hate to put you on the spot, but who do you think is second active in the NFL? Quarterback. Second active. Start um, streak NFL right yep, now. Um, I'm just going through quickly. It would have taken me a little bit of time to get to this person. Oh, Stafford? Good guess. He got hurt last year, but I oh, think he was he up was there. Out. That's true. He was out with the back, um, the back. Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then it's a big drop-off. It's it's like Wilson 170, 130 maybe, actually. Brady at like 70 and Derek Carr at like 55, 54, something like that. So it's crazy. I mean, what, what Rivers has done is just absurd. Um, if you weren't able to go, yeah, Brissett would start and Easton would be the backup. I don't. It, I mean, let's not. You know, the Colts are seven and three right now. Jacoby Brissett has done his role nicely mm-hmm. here the last two weeks. He'd be the starter. Uh, as far as first round, you know, I, I'm team quarterback, but you know, tackle depth uh, and pseudo starting tackle once Costanza retires, slash corner, um, edge rusher, receiver. Yeah, I go a lot of ways. All right, this one's from Joe, who's a big fan of the show from London, has been for years, and appreciates your insight. Love it. Also, he is a father to a new baby girl as well, so he Let's feels go. your pain when it comes to being tired. <laughs> well, best to you and your family, Joe. That's awesome. His question is about defensive adjustments. Colts have been really impressive this season with halftime adjustments on defense. How much of this is down to the scouting and prep leading up to Sunday, plan A, plan B, etc.? and how much is based on what is being seen during the game. Also, how does Eberflus compare to other defensive coordinators in Colts history in terms of these adjustments? Thanks again. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. And, um, and yeah, um, hashtag girl dad, right? That's right. Um, Eberflus has done a really nice job. And the Colts, honestly, in general, have done a really good job. They're getting outscored, I think, by 10 in first quarters this year, Chris. And I want to say they've outscored their opponents in the second, third, and fourth by, like, 30, 28, and 15 points. Like, they've been so good after that first quarter. And, you know, that's, I think, what we talk about a lot and what I think, honestly, should be coaching 101 is just how do you counter? Yeah. How do you react? You know, the old Tyson quote, everybody's going to get hit in the face. How do you react to that? Um, If you think you're just going to be stubborn and do one thing, you're going to get your ass kicked and run out of the building. So, yeah, you would like to see the Colts play better in first quarters and sometimes even first halves, but how they've been able to adjust, react, feel good about plan B, C's and D's, Great, and I don't think it's been an Eberflus staple. And I kind of go back to the Jim Mersey speech, if you will, or talk with the Colts staff after week one. 
boy, I think in all seriousness, I think that clearly resonated with them. But um, yeah, uh, I I would say the Colts have done a nice job with that. Uh, Rogers even mentioned it after the game on Sunday. The Colts brought a little bit more pressure mm-hmm. in the second half. You know, Leonard had that great time blitz yep. on a third down there, one of the first couple of possessions of the third quarter. And it goes back to Chris, what we talked about last Wednesday and getting ready for the Packers. Most teams, it's rush four, drop seven. But then the fine line is when you don't get home with the four, how do you counter? And I thought the Colts did that really nicely. All right. Question from Jabroni, another great name for the, uh, for the Twitter question. And a loyal follower. Yes. Can't wait to hear what Chris Ballard thinks of this top five defense. He made some moves this offseason. Are you a believer that this defense is top five? Boy, Chris, I, I know I've probably been one of the few that have, um, haven't have gone full top five in, but they are continuing to prove me wrong. And now, you know, giving up 31 of the Packers isn't great, but still um, what you did in the second half stands out to me. Um, it, it's what really is the thing that, Stands out the most to me. They've been a good run defense team, right? Under Eberflus, they've done a nice job making sure teams don't hit the big plays on them, which is such a big, you know, kind of core belief of Eberflus. It's the playmaking, taking the bleeping ball away. They haven't done that. That hasn't been, and honestly, that hasn't been a staple going back to. We're talking Caldwell teams, Pagano yeah. teams. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care who's Bruce Arians in 2012. I don't care who's coaching. It's been an issue. They um remember all the talk about 40 turnovers and all that, and they're not going to get to 40, but I think they're on pace for 27. When when people hear 27, they're like, well, what does that really mean? That would be the most for this franchise since 2007. Wow. I mean, that's a long yes. time for we're talking playoff teams, multiple playoff teams. An undefeated team in 2009 for so much of the season. Like, they are taking the taking away the football at a very high rate. You know, when uh, when Okariki and some of those guys mentioned the 40-takeaway goal, I wrote an article and looked up the recent history of this team in takeaways. They haven't finished top 10 in a season in turnovers since that 2007 season. Like, you just, one time, don't you fall in and get eighth? You know, you... Mm-hmm. We're talking ASC South quarterbacks. Right. They tend to give you the football if if you want it. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not a juggernaut of a division offensively. So, for the Colts right now to be third in the league with 17 takeaways, that is what's most impressive to me. And, and that's why I, yeah, I I think I'll be proven wrong at the end of the year. I, I, I do think right now I think they're like mainly like fourth-ish, third or fourth, I think, in a lot of the major defensive stuff. And, you know, I don't. Houston's banged up at wideout right now. I don't know if that's gonna mm-hmm. really change a whole lot. Not yeah. like you're playing a bunch of Green Bay's the rest of the year. Kevin, this question is coming to us from Ted in New Zealand. Man, we're going everywhere. We're going all over the place. Gosh, I love that. What's your prediction on the record for the rest of the season? It says I can see us winning every game, but Titans, Steelers, and Raiders would probably be tough. Blackman for Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Jonathan Taylor to get in the groove for the rest of the season. This probably is very cliche Midwest American, but do we say down under to 10, or is that an Australian thing? I think, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Is it um, just Kiwi? Yeah, it, it, definitely Kiwi. Um, Ted, uh, Ted, I don't know, man, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry. And uh, go ahead and stereotype me how you wish, but yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. I haven't been there. 
Um, We'd love to go. I don't know, but we were on our uh, honeymoon in um, Hawaii. Uh, an Australian couple was sitting at the table with us at a um, luau, and they were like, yeah, we haven't told anyone in our family that we're here. We're going to get married tomorrow. Well, you guys are the first people that we're telling. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Are you the best man? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sign me up. Maddie can be the maid of honor. Here we go. Um, okay, my prediction for the rest of the season. Yes. So where are they at right now? Seven and three. Seven and three. Got six to go. Mm-hmm. And that is Tennessee, Houston, Raiders, Houston, Steelers, Jags. Yes. So he's nervous about Titans, Steelers, Steelers and Raiders. Yep. I, I got More Titans and Steelers feels like the Raiders could be a challenge. Okay. I mean, even if you go one and two in those, that's still eleven and five. No, yeah, eleven and five. If you were to win the other three, you know, I said ten and six at the start of the year. So I guess just to be uh, stick with my record, I'll say that. But I think eleven and five is becoming more and more in in, in picture. Houston's not going to be that that easy again. The injuries with Cooks or not Cooks, uh, what the hell, Stills and uh, whatever the other wideout's name is, who's halfway decent. Um, they're a little banged up right now, but um, yeah, I, you sign up for eleven and five. Cop. Right now. Who? Randall Cobb. Yes, Cobb. Cobb, Cobb, Cobb. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to jump on a plane and go from New Zealand to Texarkana. Uh, here we go. Where Jordan has a question and wants to know, you want a quarterback, would you want a quarterback like Taysom Hill, that's a Swiss Army knife, that could make the team uh, think twice when he gets on the field? Or also maybe a player like De'Eric King, who played quarterback to even special teams, seems like a good player to get in 2021. Yeah, I would like Taysom Hill. I wouldn't like him as my starter, but I definitely like him as my um, you know change of pace guy. Yeah, the thing about Hill is you know, he he was undrafted. I, I don't want to I don't want to spend a draft pick necessarily on this gadget guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know me. I'm all about multiple versatility, unpredictable mm-hmm. on offense. So especially if you get more of a traditional QB, I like having a little bit of a um a, you know wildcat ish dual threat type of guy. Colton wants to know what are the chances that we let Autry and Houston go after the season or have them back as backups. Says they are both good players, but I would like to see our defensive line picks to get some starts. And between Lewis, Ture, and Banigou, who do you think will have the best chance at starting? Well, I'll tell you what, man. I don't um I, I I'm not letting Houston or Autry go right now, are you? Not the way they're playing. I mean, you could see the defensive pressure. This past weekend, you know, without Autry. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not going there. And again, I think a lot of this comes from just the lack of what we've seen from behind them. You know, those younger guys. Of, right. Yeah, Tyquan, a little bit of a flash. Banigou, yeah, nothing. And, and Ture will have to see play out. But um, those guys are playing a lot. Yeah, they're in their 30s. Um, Houston, I think, is a little bit older. But on a short-term deal, I'm bringing both of them back. I just th- That group means too much to Chris Ballard, honestly. But also to me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you bring them back and uh, yeah, nothing crazy breaking the bank. But, you know, the passing of the torch process is something every GM tries to make seamless. It's not very seamless on the D-line right now. It just doesn't look like that to me. You don't ha- I don't see this emerging. Out of those three, who's the, who has the best chance to start? Probably Lewis. I mean, Torrey's never going to be a starter. I, I just can't see him being a first-down guy, which is fine. Like, yeah. okay, wh- whatever. If he can be a double-digit sack guy, that's perfectly fine. And Banigou, obviously, 
not at all. So, um, yeah, I'm bringing them back. All right, this one comes from Wednesday. Do you think the emergence of Pittman brings uncertainty to Hilton's future in Indy? Um, yeah, something that, that, that we have talked, you know, maybe a little bit, but, but I go back to the Campbell injury, you know, if I want to have a couple guys, I feel pretty good about at white out moving forward and Campbell's just the uncertain one. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll reiterate what I said last you know week about T.Y. Hilton. Just he's got to accept the pay cut. He's got to accept the pay cut. I, I still think he is a nice receiver in this league. Um, and really, you know, an underrated play he made on Sunday wasn't that great catch in the red zone which was great, uh, and Rivers, just a beautiful ball there. The Colts had a third and 13 early in that game. Yep. Rivers, or uh, Hilton catches one, I don't know, nine or ten yards down the field, and then kind of puts his head down and dives through a couple somewhat tackle attempts and gets mm-hmm. the first Whoa, that's not something I usually see from 13. Right. So I like that there from uh, from Hilton, but – um. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, the, the emergence of Pittman makes me feel better. Maybe it takes a million off the Hilton contract, which just sounds absurd that a million dollars can just be, oh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I, I still actually would probably bring him back, yeah. Chris. And I know people disagree with me, but pay cut time. All right, let's stick with the wide receiver core from the question from Old Daner. With the emergence of DeMichael Harris as a gadget type of wide receiver, if slash when, we see Campbell get back. Could we see Paris be used as more of a crosser or field stretcher? In a way, it could help him stay healthy, getting yards after catch without playing near the line of scrimmage. Love the show, as always. Well, thank you for that, old Daner. Um, you know, I think that was mostly the plan for Campbell. You know, I remember the Bucks game. Was that when he broke his foot last year? I think it was. I mean, the plan was crossers. Against man coverage, rub routes, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, it's such a big thing in today's NFL. Hell, we saw it on the fourth and four play to Hines. You know, you get Campbell in space running away from man coverage, oh boy, that can go a long way. So, yeah, I, I do think that is some of it. I don't know how much healthier that can keep him. I think about the way Campbell's gotten hurt. I mean, the Harrison Smith tackle was just a freak thing, but you know, some of the other stuff is really just weird, like – I, I guess those other injuries are more freakish. The Harrison Smith thing is like that happens in the NFL. Yep. I, I'm sorry, like it just guys make tackles and you get hit awkwardly, and it can be a run play, it can be a pass play, it can be a sack, whatever. Um, I go back to that Rivers start streak. I'm like, how has the Joe Burrow hit not happened one time to Philip Rivers? I, I know. Or just uh, an ankle fall into you. Roll, I mean, yeah, and I know. I mean, the dude played with a torn ACL, but. I don't know, man. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe his body's not, like, flexible enough to <laughs> ever get hurt or something. I don't know. Well, quickly to that point, Dan Dockich had Naheem Hines on last week, and he said, or he asked him, do you get more nervous before a track meet or before a football game? He said, in a track meet, no one can hit me. In a football game, I know I'm going to be hit, and freak accidents happen. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty good statement on his part. No, that is a good point. Gosh, he's such a great – Great interview. He is. Okay, from Josh, he was wondering, is Autry out for sure against the Titans since he's on the COVID list? Not for sure. It's 10 days for if you're asymptomatic, 14-day absence if you're symptomatic. Frank Reich won't say one way or the other. Um, So, yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. But if it's 10 days, he'd be able to go. But as of right now, he's not back in the building. 
Longtime fan of the show, Brian asks, why does Rock's technique look so bad? He always gets burned and gets holding or pass interference calls. You know, it's um, the thing about Rock is it, a lot of times he's in position. It's just that final panic mode that he gets into right at the point of attack, yep. right at that just, all right, the receiver's eyes are getting big, and it's almost like, Rock's eyes get big, and he gets grabby and gets panicky and just doesn't make the play right then. And and the problem with that pass interference on Sunday, Chris, is like he held that dude's wrist, arm, whatever you want to call it, for like 15 or 20 yards. Like, you can get away with that maybe if it's only five, and then you get that hand off, and that now you're back to kind of running in stride with him, or you flash it up there real late. But the persistence, I think, was what really hurt him there. And, you know, I guess – Something that I had questioned when Rock was drafted is, you know, he's so much out on an island at Temple. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, it's Temple. And the three years before that was Presbyterian. Like, and now you're asking him to cover these guys on a down-in, down-out basis. It's just different. And, and, you know, is it a little bit of a better athlete across from him? Snap in, snap out. Is that been a little bit of a struggle for him just to be – he's had some really nice moments, and, and the pick was yep. incredible on Sunday. But I just think it's um, it's a little bit of – and he would say that his footwork breaks down early in a route, and that forces him to get handsy. So I think that is um, – I don't think it's he's getting burnt. Like I don't, I'm not like Greg Toller. You know, it's a five yard gap between receiver and corner. But yeah, he's been a little bit better this year in his coverage rate, but not not where you'd want him. This one's from Clayton. It says people bash on Rivers a lot, but he's played really well the last few weeks. What do you think the Colts' record would be to this point if the following quarterbacks were at the helm and we did not have Rivers? All right, he lists five here. Nick Foles. Wait, wait. So, so he wants he wants the, to, these five quarterbacks are going to be the quarterback of the Colts here in twenty twenty. Correct. He wants win totals. Yes. All right, let's go one by one here. Nick Foles. Jeez. Three. Ooh. I think Foles stinks. <laughs> I think a lot of Chicago fans would agree with you. Justin Herbert. Five. Jacoby Brissett. Four. Jordan. Five. Okay. Jordan Love. Oh, low. Three. Tom Brady. Six. Six. Yeah. Okay. Brady's got a lot of talent down there in Tampa. I mean, I mean, River's been pretty good, man. He has been. So, yeah. That was a wow. That's a that's an interesting one. Yeah, because it's caveat. Obviously, if you're getting Herbert, you're tr- not you're trading up with that 13 pick. So we do not have DeForest Buckner on this uh, team okay. either. Okay. Well, I might go one lower on Herbert there. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, but and I guess Love might fall in the same category. I mean, Love had so much rawness. I mean, he doesn't even dress for uh, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, they got Boyle or whatever his name is as their backup. All right, Mac just Mac heard Max Kellerman on Monday basically brush off the Colts' win versus the Packers, saying well, they were one bad fumble away from winning it, which is true, but I'd argue that they wouldn't have had that opportunity 
had we not had so many holding penalties. Do you believe that this game was about us willing ourselves to victory or a Packers collapse? Well, man, when I think of the one bad fumble, I think of Rodgers on the exchange more than I think of uh, Valdez Scantling. I mean, that was just a great play by Blackman. Yeah, it's a bad fumble, but I mean, honestly, the more egregious fumble is happens, you know, much earlier in that game. Um, You know, the Packers had four turnovers. Uh, You know, when you look up any team in the NFL that has four turnovers in a game, their win percentage is probably, you know, 0.1. Can't be very good. But still, I I, I think you got to give the Colts some credit here. I mean, that third quarter was one of the finer third quarters of football you're ever going to see against an opponent like that. And you got yourself in the in in the game. You know, Green Bay, they had chances to put it away. Those those two third quarter drives, like I was saying on Monday, if you get down three scores, in my opinion, the game's over. Like the Colts are not coming back and winning that football game. So your ability to get off the field there and then cash in on your own drives were huge. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not going there. It, it's it it's interesting when you look back at these two wins here, Titans and Packers. I don't have the numbers in front of me, Chris, but the Colts have definitely trailed more than they've led in those two games. Yet, they have made some massive, massive plays to change it. Yeah. And you, you hear the old saying, you know, some of these NFL games, they're so damn close, they come down to four or five plays. If you make them, that's, that's the difference. And so, you know, that was a very close game. It could have gone either way, but at the end of it, you got it done, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it, it's like the IU Penn State thing. I mean, you imagine if Penix had that ball out of bounds, or if it was called out of bounds. I I, I think it was out of bounds. I mean, that could tr- totally change your trajectory. Of the se- Penn State hasn't won, yeah, since, and now IU is like, you know, ready to hang a banner. Like it, it's just it's it, it's wild how so small it can be. All right, Stan says you know it's never too early to talk quarterbacks in the draft even coming off the heels of those big playoff heavyweights. Have early returns on Herbert and Josh Allen affected your quarterback evaluation process at all? Are you leaning heavier towards traits and less on accuracy? Sam, that's a fair question. I I will say I'll dive a lot more into this stuff in the offseason. You know, Herbert and Allen, the thing that's so interesting to me is they, they just played in such awful weather in college, which I know is kind of weird to say, but... Um, and Allen plays in awful weather, I guess, now. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was a reason why Buffalo liked him so much. It, it's just, it's so hard to, to really project these QBs. You know, it's Mahomes going from a crazy offense to being an NFL stud, and people don't love the Watson whatever interceptions he had at Clemson, yet he won like none other. And he's the, what, third quarterback taken, I think, in that yep. draft class. I would say the trait that I continue to be more fond of is just, can you make plays off script? Can you make plays that are not the first and second read? And that is a great progression, human, um, you know, masterful and knowing where the football should go when on the whiteboard it might not be first or second option. That can be a way off script. And then secondly, obviously with your legs. Can you get out of a pocket? Can you make a play like that? Can you avoid a sack? Those are the traits that just, man, create a player in Madden, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. That's what you want. 
All right, Sam wants to know if you could get the first pick in this year's draft, but you would have to trade all of your other picks, would you do it? No. No, I don't love Trevor Lawrence that much. No. Matt's question for this week's pod is, what are the chances the Colts re-sign Phillip Rivers for 2021? Oh, they're high. Really high. Uh, 82%, 86%. Yeah. I mean, I, I always thought they were high, and I mean, now you're sitting here at Thanksgiving, and you're seven and three, and Rivers has played um, very satisfactory football. Uh, I would say a little bit above that. Yeah, the Colts were always going to be pro resign Rivers. They always were, much more so than the common fan. Yeah, and me. This one's from Zach. How about the production from this off season's acquisitions? Pittman, Taylor, Blackman, Blankenship, Buckner, Rivers. Would like to hear your thoughts on the clock management and the seven total flags on the Colts' last possession and regulation. You know, we, we talked about that on Monday a little bit, Zach, about those um, rookies. Another spam call. I'm done with you. Don't call me again. <laughs> God, bless it. What do you have? You have student loans? You have a credit score? What like what? Yeah, I mean, shit. I hope Maddie and Rosie are okay, but jeez. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about the rookies on Monday. Uh, clock management, seven total flags. And I, I've gotten some some pushback from the Colts on my, my clock management take, but I'm going to stand by it. I like the fourth and four call to Hines. You know, I, I think we made, made a reference this on Monday, but to me it had a bit of a fourth and two 2009 Belichick feel. Yes. You don't want to give the ball to that quarterback. Now, the field position is much different than Belichick in 2009, but still. It's a, let's keep it, don't kick the field goal, go up six. Let's just try and run run it all out. So if you're going to take that approach, I don't then get the third and 20 Rivers in the shotgun six-step drop with Rivers when you have a backup tackle in the game. Like, it is a split, split second away from Zedaria Smith forcing a fumble there. And you losing that football game. Mm-hmm. And we would be, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> some of the takes Yeah, on Frank Reagan company for that? So I get being aggressive in four-minute offense. I like being aggressive more than not. Now, when I say aggressive, I say you, you throw it, but they need to be high freaking percentage throws. Screens, dumps, um, you know, quick out, whatever you want to call Safety valves, security blankets, those need to be keep that clock moving. Yes. That is the biggest thing. And I thought the Colts played the fire just a little bit more. I mean, hell, the um the Doyle play could have been picked. And I know there's some Green Bay fans that are like, Jair Alexander's a really good corner. They're like, you know, to be an elite corner, you pick that ball off and you take it back and win the game. Mm-hmm. I mean that but it was close to that happening. I mean, he was if you watch that Green Bay sideline react to him, I mean, it's like, yeah, boy, that's one that you really wish you could have back. Yeah, he snuck it in there for sure. Okay, Richard has a two-parter, so I'll break it down first for you, Kev. Yeah. Uh, this one's first starting off with, was this Jonathan Taylor's breakout game? He feels like he looked much better at finding the gaps and making the big runs. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it qualifies as that. Secondly, if Pittman continues playing the way that he has since coming back from the injury, do we finally have a number one wideout to replace Hilton when he is done? 
Still buzzing off of that great win. Uh, keep the buzz going, Richard. Throw them back here on uh, on <laughs> Thanksgiving while you're at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pittman has shown me some number one traits. Definitely, Chris. And, and, and I thought when he was drafted, I, I thought he had number one ability and, right. and relatively early in his career. And, and the thing is, which I think should be so exciting to Colts fans, I think there's more in there. You and I talked about it with Beers with Bowen a few weeks ago. Those 50-50 plays. You know, I, I just got off with um, uh, Dan Dock, or I guess – uh, Rakestraw filling in for Dan Dan today. You know, the red zone has been an issue for this team this season. You know, that's where Pittman, I think, back shoulder throws, 50-50 stuff, 6'4", 220 frame. Yes. Yeah, the speed on a crosser is great, and that's awesome, and it's been exciting to see, but, like, that body itself can be used in that area of the field. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Richard. Colin says, the next time you speak with Ballard, tell him the Colts fans demand a tackle taken in the first three rounds of the 2021 draft. <laughs> also remind him, Costanzo contemplated retirement this past season. Big win for the shoe. <laughs> Preach, Colin. Uh, honestly, it's such a big need. Uh, you guys know that was my biggest shock of the offseason. I, I said this you know, back in April or May, and obviously it's worked out very well, but I'm curious if Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston, he went a few picks before Blackman. If he still would have been on the board, what would have happened there? Now, obviously, hindsight is great how it yes. played out for the Colts, but, you know, if Malik Cooker doesn't tear his Achilles, you know, all those factors play into it. But, yes, an offensive tackle in the first three rounds, yes, mm-hmm. a lot. This is from Primus. Autry and Braden Smith were greatly missed. The defensive line was missing a bit of that live wire spark and the O-line lacked total coordination. Do we get any update on the nature or duration of Smith's injury? Because we will need him against the Titans. Yeah, you know, it just sounded like he didn't feel totally comfortable bracing it, wrapping it. Um, I, I, I don't know what other terminology you want to throw in there for how they could have protected that thumb. You know, when you hear offensive line thumb injury, you're like, I mean, it's a thumb. <laughs> These guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Big Joe was talking earlier today, well, you know, maybe, honestly, they should have clubbed up the entire offensive line, and they wouldn't have held. <laughs> I do love a good club on the on a line. Do. Um, you know, with 72 hours, he gets hurt in Thursday's practice. I mean, it's 72 hours for you to find a way to get that dude to play. Right. I mean, that dude, that's a tough dude. I mean, that was odd to me. It's weird. Sounds like he's going to play. You know, last year he had surgery on a Monday. For a thumb injury and played that Sunday. Surgery. I don't get it, man. No, not not in a position where your hands is what you, I mean, that's what you use. Matt says, great team win on Sunday. Just one question. Any indication what the range or length of Blakenship has is short from 50 a worry or just a one-time thing? Okay, so I wrote this. I want to sunfide the fan.com as well. I think it's my Tuesday notebook. Um, but just briefly to summarize, um, I don't, you know. He's got range to 55, Frank Reich says. I've seen him make kicks north of that in practice. And uh, I know Frank has as well. Frank said, I think, up to 60 he's seen in practice. I went back and looked at his college kicks. I think as long as four seasons at Georgia was like 49, 53, 55, and 50. So clearly and you're kicking much more outside in college than yeah. you are inside. And, and, you know, he, he said this to Pat McAfee early in the week. I mean, we all have been there. Chris Presley, I've I've, I've heard about his golf game. He just chunked it. True. Flat out chunked it, folks. Just 
he basically said that he's working on kicking the ball lower on the longer kicks to get the ball higher, create more elevation. Mm-hmm. Any golfer knows the lower you hit the golf ball, the higher it's going to go, things like that. Well, the byproduct is you can chunk it, and that's what he did. And if you look at that spin, it's a little bit weird on it. And so that's what happened there. So I guess where I'm – I'm not worried about his length. Again, he's not freaking Matt Prater, Harrison Bucker, but he's got enough of a leg to be – I mean, hell, to be honest with you, I'd say every 6A kicker in this state can probably make a 50-yard field goal. Like length – we all had the friend in eighth grade that's like, I can make a 45-yard field goal, you know? <laughs> like everyone's got that. Where I am a little bit concerned is just mentally – you know, where is he at now? Because if you need him for a 48-yarder, now is he thinking, well, I want to kick it lower because I want to get it up so they don't block it. But now I just missed the one from 50 because I chunked it. Like, yeah. you know, it's just the mind games that, yeah. I mean, again, you guys have heard me rant about kickers. There's no worse position. No worse position to be in sports. Nope. Kicker, college kicker is the worst thing in, in the history of athletics. <laughs> Why would you ever want to be a college kicker? You're spot on with that. All right, from Colts, Mexico, with Pittman, Taylor, and Blackman all really coming on as the season progresses, how do you think people? How do people not think that Ballard is the top GM in the NFL? Just look at his drafts: in seventeen, Mac, Stewart, Walker; eighteen, Nelson, Leonard, Braden Smith, Tyquan Lewis, Hines, Wilkins; two thousand nineteen, Rock, Okariki, Kari; twenty twenty, Pittman, Taylor, Blackman, Rogers. Just seems like he rarely misses. Well, yeah, I mean, he's drafted incredibly well. I would say I think we might be a hair early on just Lewis and Rock. And and to to be fa- frank, I mean, um, Jonathan Taylor has not lived up to 41st overall pick. I mean, you traded up for the guy. Uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to that yet. So I, I those are the names I would disagree with. Um, but, I mean, Ballard's drafting ability, it, it's why I've said this so many times. The foundation is just on great ground. It's on great ground yes. with these drafts. You have got to draft well, and they've done that. And now, but, you know, when he says, how do people not think Ballard is the top GM in the NFL? There's got to be a win-loss element that factors into that as well. You know, it's something to where we aren't, you don't purely get graded on drafts. Like, there's roster building still has to translate on the field as well, and that's kind of the wait-and-see approach. So, you know, when you're talking um, – Assessing talent, finding guys for your system, those sorts of things. Ballard has checked that box. Now it's about the total package, completing that with other roster moves, and then ultimately, you know, making runs in the month of January. You've, you know, won one playoff game in three years. There, no one is going to be called the best GM in football with that resume, which is fine. We're three years into it. We don't need to crown people, but I totally understand why people don't think he's the top GM in football. Mm-hmm. Brent wants to know what your assessment was of Chaz Green playing right tackle uh, this past weekend. Says he was crushed when he saw the news about Braden Smith was out and Clark initially replaced him. Seems like the protection was good. The Packers had good coverage and blitz calls when they did get pressure on Rivers. Yeah, he was that. I mean, Green was better than Clark, which, uh, boy, I don't know if that's saying much, but I mean, he was good. You know, he he was he was acceptable um, is how I would say it. Now, the Green Bay front is nothing to write home about, but still. Um, the pass protection to me, Chris, we've, we haven't talked about it enough. It's been outstanding, outstanding this season. So, And that's uh, that's a credit to Phillip Rivers as well. But um, I thought Clark, considering the lack of playing time he's had in a couple of years, I thought he held up. 
Jorge wants you to explain to a foreign fan why in the hell were so many Packer fans at the game on Sunday? I mean, it seemed like there were around 20 to 25% of the crowd. Where are the Colts fans and why so quiet? I mean, you you were in the building, man. I mean, it, it looked a lot of green and yellow to me. A lot, and I would go. I would say it was above the 25%. Now, I, I got a little rash at the game, and I tweeted out, you know, we need to start packing it. But as you explained on Monday's podcast, and it does make sense, this is the closest game that the Green Bay Packers fans were able to attend this year. It was, and I don't even think the Vikings or Bears are allowing fans yeah, to correct. that point. You know, Lambeau is not just the one. Or Detroit, so. so. Yeah, so that's that plays into it. Um, you know, the, the, the last thing I will do is tell people how to spend their money in a pandemic. I do find it interesting that it seems like the Colts have struggled to sell out their 12,500 allotment each week. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that would be relatively easy to do. Um, the home crowds were not great in, in recent years. And again, I am fully, fully understanding how expensive it is to go to a sporting event. And I'm very fortunate not to have to pay that, that money. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that like, it seems like every week they struggle to get to that 12,500 number. And, mm-hmm. I thought, considering how big the state is and Colts fans all around, that they'd be able to to get there, especially with games like Baltimore. And I mean, the whole um, the whole Green Bay thing, you, you totally understand it. I mean, someone's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy season tickets and sell out, sell my Packers ticket, and that'll pay for the rest of the season tickets. Yeah, like pe- people did that, which you know, whatever, rightly or wrongly, who knows? But yeah, good home slate of games this year for the Colts. This is from Trenton. Is there a scenario where the Colts move up in the draft and draft a quarterback and also bring back Rivers? He's definitely turned it around in the second half of the season so far. Games one through five, four touchdowns to five interceptions. Games six through ten, ten touchdowns, three interceptions, one being that Marcus Peters interception and another one being a tipped ball. Oh, yeah. I think it's possible. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think it's very possible. Um, Honestly, that's the route that I think is probably most – Realistic for the Colts, yeah. Chris asks, is Eberflus going to be a head coaching candidate this offseason? Well, candidates, certainly. I just don't know, Chris, if he's going to get a job. You know, you mind pulling up the NFL standings real fast? and just I'm curious, like, you know, again, where are these openings going to be? We talked about Atlanta. You know, are they going to bring back Raheem Morris? Morris has played. Or played. Morris has coached very well. So, you know, that's sometimes you see that. You know, we saw it in Jacksonville with the Doug Marone thing. How Jacksonville could be open. So I mean what? We got Jacksonville okay. and the and the Jets. I mean, where else are the opening? Okay. You got Jacksonville and the and the Jaguars. Houston. Or I mean Jacksonville and the Jets. The Bengals coach is still fairly new. Yeah, they're not firing Zach Taylor. Um Ron, Houston will be open. Ron Rivera is not gonna get fired after one year in Washington. I mean, Joe Judge isn't going to get fired. I don't think Doug Peterson would get fired. I don't. Hell, all the bottom, all, all the NFC East, even though they're they have three wins, you know, they're still fighting for a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, as shocking as that is. So yeah, I, I I don't know, man. Unless I'm, I mean, Anthony Lynn, he's going to keep his job. But I don't. Unless we're totally forgetting someone, but that's what's going to be weird is the fact that there are a lot of bottom feeders this year. But the coaching carousel is not going to be as big as it typically is. I mean, the coach is typically only been there for about a year. So, 
and, and certainly we've seen head coaches get fired after just one year, but I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of openings. Mm-hmm. And so then you look at that, and you look at where Eberflus would fall on a candidate list because it will take a unique owner and GM to make that hire. It will take an outside-the-box thinking because the new normal in the NFL is, you know, hire Sean McVay's mailman, you know, or hire, you know, someone that's this young quarterback mind that, that we can groom. So it's going to have to take some outside of the box. Kevin Jacobs says, all right, it's time to say that this 2020 Colts defense is better than the 06 Super Bowl defense. Ooh. Let's break it down. Ooh. D-line outside of Mathis and Freeney, I think overall this D-line is better. Linebackers, Leonard Walker, Okariki take the matchup. Secondary might have to give it to the 2016 with Bethay, Sanders, Marlon Jackson, Kelvin Hayden, but that's it. My vote is the 2020 defense. What do you think? You know, Jacob, the 2006 defense really struggled in the regular season. So, and a part of that was Bob Sanders being out. Yeah. You know, Rob Morris inserted the starting lineup late in the year, and that kind of turned it around. I mean, Ursay says it's the best defense since 95. High so, praise. he's dialed away back. I I hear you on your D-line, but, I mean, I'm sorry, man. I'm Freeney and Mathis, that, yeah, I'm going with them. I mean, they're the ones that make you uh, – I can load the box. I can I can stop the run. They stop the run in the playoffs, and then you got to worry about 98, 93 on pass downs. Yeah. Good luck. Have fun standing back yeah, there. Yeah, you know, start the stopwatch and, and pray. It's um, – that 2006 defense, when you think about it, Chris, they go on the road the second round of the playoffs and play in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and they hold Baltimore to six points. Yep. We're talking an NFL playoff team. Scoring six points. The Colts didn't score a touchdown that day. Yeah, I mean, you imagine the Colts lose that game and the ridicule on Peyton yeah. for another bowing out, you don't do enough as a quarterback offensively, whatever you want to say it, and it's another year of having to deal with that. But your defense just flat out incredible in that performance. It's – um. And 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 that's the resume defining run mm-hmm. of of Peyton's career. It's just crazy how it all works out. Yeah, I don't um, I don't know. The 2006 defense was so different, and when you do it on the big stage like that, it's just it. it... Stephen's damn good though. This is a very good defense, very good defense. But I, I don't know if I can go full there. Well, let's hope that we find out. Oh boy, come playoff time. Yes. All right, from John Kevin. This team looks more complete every week. Pittman is showing wide receiver one upside. Taylor drawing attention with his big play potential. Blackman should uh, solidify defensive rookie of the year. And not to mention Rodgers, Glasgow, and Hot Rod. Where do you rank the 2020 draft class compared to 17, 18, and 19's classes? Mm. Is it fair to say that this class will surpass 18 if Eason does end up getting the starting job? Well, he's got to do something with the starting job. You can't just get it. You got to certainly perform, but that would go a long way. Uh, 2018 still in a different stratosphere, you know, with what Nelson and Leonard and Braden Smith and Naeem Hines have given you out of that draft class and even Lewis and Wilkins and maybe Ture as well. So um, I would say, though, uh, second. I would. You know, 17 is um, just a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. You know, Mack and, and, and Stewart, you know, solid. Walker, solid. But, you know, obviously all those swings and misses in the early part of that. So I'd put that last. 19, I'd probably put second. But then again, I think about 19, I'm like, well, you know, Campbell, Iffy, Rock, okay. Um, Okariki, 
think is pretty good. Who else in that 19 draft? Um, let me pull that up. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I would say uh, 2020 would be second okay. on that list. And really, I don't think there's a whole lot of debate. Um, oh, they got EJ Sp- Oh, Kari Willis, duh. Yeah, I mean, Willis would be. Yeah, I still feel good about going 20 as the second team. All right. Jordan can't help but wonder how this offense would look with Paris Campbell. Do you think there's a chance he could get back sooner rather than later? From someone I trust uh, wholeheartedly, no. I think it's a, um, I think it's a long shot, and, and I think about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, what this offense would look like with uh, with Paris Campbell. Yeah, I was told originally kind of three month range, and they would not push it at all. So be smart with it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you get to you get to the playoffs, and something's changed in that last month. But think about the Ture injury. It felt like the final step was the hardest for him, you know, getting all the way back. You know, it's not the same injury, of course, but if that's the case with Campbell, you'll worry about that. Matt wants to know what the hell is going on with Quentin. He's been oh, under- I'm not going to ask him that. <laughs> I won't either, but he's been underwhelming this year, nowhere near his previous two years that he's played at. Yeah, Matt, I think that's honestly a fair assessment. Um, and obviously, w- w- when you say nowhere near his previous two years, that was – first ballot Canton like but he hasn't been there um, you know I've had people ask me is it the back injury kind of lingering I think today he didn't practice we'll, we'll look at the official injury report but a man five holding penalties through 10 games he had three all last year I think he had six as a rookie so he's gonna mm-hmm. break that you would think which isn't great uh, we had on I filled in for JMV yesterday we had on Sam Monson who's the pro football focus lead NFL analyst and he said Nelson is really graded low for them this season. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been a bit disappointing for Nelson. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, Colts just announced DeForest Buckner on the COVID nineteen list. Oh boy, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Man, boy, that's not good. Yeah, that's definitely not good. So we'll see. Like I was saying earlier about the Autry thing, if if indeed Buckner um, tested positive, then 10-day absence for asymptomatic, 14-day absence for symptomatic. Colts have, what, at Texans, I think it is, next week. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. You know, Colts have been, you know, Frank Reich obviously didn't mention anything about this earlier today, but um, – yeah, you know, is it high risk, close contact? Does he test positive? Did he test positive? You know, there's several um, things to look for here, but I believe him and Autry. I think that's it. And guys that have tested positive, you know, Buckner was not one of the guys that mispracticed last week when Autry, you know, when Autry yeah. tested positive. Um, it was Grover Stewart, Taquan Lewis, and was it Muhammad? Muhammad, yes, thank you. Um, were the three guys that I think mispracticed last week? So. Interesting, man. You knew, you know, it was right. kind of inevitable. Colts have had much better luck than I think a lot of other teams this year. So we'll see how this plays out uh, the rest of the week. Yeah, everyone out there, if you have a Twitter, obviously follow K Bowen 1070 He will keep you posted on that news. All right, this one's from Gary. I guess the lines are blurred with me, with Nick Sirianni and Frank. Could you assist in explaining their roles, and how, do you, and how would you grade Sirianni this season? Happy Thanksgiving to you, Team Bowen and Chris. Never would miss a podcast. Go Colts. I love it. I love it. Um, 
you know, it's hard to really know. I'd say Sirianni's the game planner and right calls the plays. I, you know, to be to kind of simple it down, you know, grading Nick Sirianni, unless you're inside the building, it's kind of hard to truly know, which I think is difficult in hiring a, a non-play caller like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, you know, the offense has been you know, solid. You know, I don't know. Maybe solid's too nice of a compliment. But, yeah, I, I can't – I don't want to – Kind of overstep my boundaries there and just try and predict what Nick Sirianni's doing behind the scenes. Yeah. All right, three more. This one's from Brian. couple questions. Number one, where do you think the Colts would be right now if they had not paid Rivers and Jacoby was still the starter? Number two, going back to the 2012 draft, knowing what you know now with how things turned out with luck, would you still draft him number one overall, re-sign Manning and use the pick elsewhere, or go RG3? But knowing what we know now, it didn't turn out well for him either. Um, trying to multitask here at the tweet. Okay, um, okay, who would you draft if if I knew what happened in 2012? Yes, but I know how it's all played out since. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now, with how things turned out with luck, would you still draft him number? Boy, one I'd be overall? a great GM if that was the case. Um, hell, I draft Tannehill, right? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, um, boy, it's you know sounds crazy, but um, I mean, I I don't know. Would you? I guess maybe you just resign Peyton. What do you get about four years out of Peyton? You know, I just I still don't know if you won a Super Bowl if you resign Peyton. I think you were losing some guys around him. I mean, those Denver teams were damn good yes, around Peyton. I don't think the Colts would have been able to s- sustain that. So as absurd as it sounds, I probably would draft Anno. Imagine which if you traded back. That pick, imagine what you could get in return Ooh. with luck coming out. I mean, right? I mean, you, you could have got what someone asked me earlier about trading the whole draft for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. Right. This one's from Wyatt. Colts versus Titans isn't the only big game in Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. Any predictions on the IH, IHSAA state championships this upcoming week? Here we go. Well, we got the Irish in yep. the nightcap. Um, yep. So yeah, it's. Um, the Irish are going to roll. They will. Uh, I feel confident about that. It's been a while since Cathedral's won a state title, though. Uh, and the running back, I've, I've passed his house. He kind of lives by me. So, um, okay. Jake something or other. I can't say I know his parents. But uh, 3A, we got a house divided at the Bowen house. So, Brad Bowen's a Danville grad. Colleen Bowen is a Chatard grad. So, my dad has been staying in Airbnb all week. Wow. Yeah, house divided <laughs> there. They do, they are not getting along. So, we'll see what happens. That'll be a big one there. Uh, Maddie Bowen. Winch Chatard as well, so it might be, you know, Danville doesn't, you know, they haven't been on this stage, so I might be siding here with uh, with uh, Team Brad. A lot of familiar names this year in the, in the state championships. And it sounds like Center Grove's going to roll. Sounds like yeah. they could beat, you know, Michigan and Penn State this year. They are damn good. All right, well, that will do it for Twitter questions. Thanksgiving week edition. Thank you to everyone again for submitting those. Now let's jump into it, Kev. Three keys for the Colts' victory this weekend against the Titans. Yeah, key number one for me, I don't sleep on Derrick Henry. Uh, we talked about it earlier, man. That fourth quarter comes around, and it's just a different breed. And the Colts were up by 10 for a large majority of that fourth quarter. Back in uh, uh, whatever it was, week, uh, I guess week 10. It was just two weeks ago, wasn't it? So nope. I, I would say that's the biggest key for me. Um, two, exploit the injuries. Again, they are a banged-up unit. Yes, the Colts are dealing with uh, you know, a situation here. We'll see how the Buckner thing plays out. 
but um, they, they still are more banged. Even if Buckner misses, like they are more banged up than you are. So can you take advantage of a third-string left tackle? Can you run the ball effectively with Clowney out of the lineup, those things? And then lastly, I would just say seize it. I mean, this is uh, – the Colts haven't won a division since 2014. This is a sit-on-the-platter-in-your-own-building type of boxing analogy. This can be this can be the knockout punch. This can be a fatal blow yep. to the Titans and the rest of the AFC South. And so um, what, what an awesome opportunity. You know, you would sign up for this at the start of the season. You say week 12, you're going to play a game in your own building where you win it and you've got nearly a 90% chance to win the division. I love it. You know, that's 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 why uh that's why we uh we love the sport and certainly why um why the Colts have gotten to this moment with just not being able to kind of take advantage I think of past years when you started 5 and 2 last season um and then you bottomed out from there, you know, they haven't been in this position late November very often they've kind of got off to slow starts so usually it's kind of mid-december texans game mm-hmm. that, that that means a whole lot not late november titans game but here we are man right okay prediction time prediction time um so three and a half point favorite yes is that what i've seen yep that was the last that i saw at least i'll go colts 24 17 Okay, I think I'm going to flip-flop you. You going Titans? I think I'm going to go Titans. Wow, man, you've been loyal to the Colts this year. I have been, but... Is this a pessimistic fan comment coming out, or what is this? Some of this, and I know you don't like uh, rituals and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm not a big... Last uh, week I picked the Packers. Oh, gosh. Um, You're going there. No, so, honestly, it comes down to a quick shuffle in my head, just back to the DeForest Bugner. I mean, that's going to be, I think, huge obviously in the run game so if he's not playing Derrick Henry could potentially run uh for a good amount of yards I mean he did the first time anyway but hello Tyquan Lewis you know yeah if uh if and obviously you got to look at the Autry situation we'll see how that plays out so um we will see how all of this unfolds uh no Colts media availability till Friday which really is a bummer but that's just the life that we're at so Mm -hmm. All right, man. Uh, happy Thanksgiving you to as you. Well. Enjoy um, a little bit of time away. Appreciate you coming in and um, recording this. And we'll be back Monday. Yep. And then we get into it, man, every Sunday. The Colts had that game announced the Texans date officially on that Sunday afternoon, December 20th. So all Sunday games from here on out. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday.